Amen. And while they're exiting to their place of meeting, I would like to remind you that we have a special um, event here this evening at 6 o'clock, movie night. And we're seeing the movie, I don't think it's actually entitled God's Not Dead, is it? It is entitled God's Not Dead. Now, there's been two out already. One has just come out. It's brand new. And so that one will be seen tonight here in our church at 6 o'clock. So you're invited to come and join us. Uh, bring some refreshment, uh, if you'd like, uh, some candy to nibble on. We provide the popcorn and the ice and so forth. We're going to have a good time. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, your word teaches us that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We need to know how to walk. We need light in our lives. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today as we turn to your word and give us some sense of guidance and direction. I pray, Lord, that um, that you would speak to us. If by your Holy Spirit, you reveal something in us that's not quite right that doesn't jive with scripture, that doesn't um, seem to be right, I pray that you would help us to see what that is and know what the proper response is. All of us who are seated here today have um, the capability of being imperfect, to say the least. We have our flaws and we have our faults. We have our idiosyncrasies. We have our opinions. Sometimes, even occasionally, we might have our sins. But as your word speaks to us, help us to recognize those things and to respond in a way that glorifies your name. Speak to us from your word today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Thank you for being here today. I want to join with um, Brother Chris in welcoming you here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10, where we will turn in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 10 and also Matthew 28. Proverbs 10 and Matthew 28. As we're preparing to to delve into this, uh, actually, I guess what may may it may or may not be the last sermon in this series, but it's the last thing in the list of Galatians five twenty three when we read about the gifts, uh, excuse me, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. We've talked about love and joy and peace and gentleness, and goodness, and kindness, and faith, and meekness, and temperance, and long-suffering, all those things we have dealt with. We come to the last thing in the list today, and that is self-control. If you are here today, and you're willing to be honest with God and with this pastor, and you recognize that you, as well as this pastor, need Self-control, would you say amen? amen? I think that's all of us. We need more self-control. And as I was thinking about this this week and how that the Bible says that the Spirit of God wants to produce in us that fruit. 
The Spirit wants to produce in us self-control. Years ago, there was a character, and he was a character. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? What was his line? The devil made me do it. Listen, the devil doesn't make you do anything. The Bible says if you're a Christian, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the devil didn't make you do anything. You just did some things. Devil didn't make you do it. We have power over all the power of the enemy. And if we're walking with the Spirit of God in our lives and we're allowing him to produce the fruit in us that he wants to produce, the Bible says that it is God's will for self-control to be produced in us. So as I'm, as I'm meditating this week about that, okay, pastor, you're going to preach on self-control. So where are you going to go with that? Well, instead of taking an approach um, of using a rifle, I've decided to take an approach and use a shotgun. That is, instead of going at one thing, I'm going to look at the broader picture. Um, if you have, if you do not have a bulletin today, I'd like for you to lift your hand because we want to get you one. You need one. If you do not have a bulletin, would you lift your hand? Looks like our ushers got about everybody covered. One back on the back. They'll take care of that. Anybody else need a bulletin? It's got an insert in it that you need this morning as we go through this sermon. So as I look at this um, list, I didn't number anything, but I gave you some symbols to go by. You'll see there's a tongue at the top of the page. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. And then there's some eyes, and then there's some ears, and then there's some hands, and then there's some feet, and then there's a nose. Oh, my goodness. And then there's a heart. So what we're going to do is as we look at the scripture today, we're going to see how in this broad area, the Bible has much to say about self-control in our lives. And I'm using these things as my headings. It won't take long, believe me, so don't get too alarmed. Obviously, most of us understand and know enough about the Bible to know that when Jesus came to this earth and he began his ministry, he called unto himself a group of men. Come follow me, he said, and I'll make you fishers of men. They followed after him. And the word that we use to describe those 12 are the 12 disciples. The 12 disciples. Of course, later in the New Testament, other people are called disciples as well. Disciples is not a word that's limited to the 12, but they were referred to as the 12 disciples. And the word disciple is very important in the New Testament because the Bible tells us uh, in the Matthew 28 chapter that I, the reference I gave you, I'll just go ahead and read that. Listen very carefully if you would. These are the words of Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the way. So here's my point as we launch into this, uh, this sermon, this discussion today. Number one, Jesus has called us to be disciples. 
And Jesus has called us to make disciples. True? Jesus has called us to be disciples. And Jesus has called us to make disciples. I wish now I had done it. I wish I had put the word disciple on the screen. And underneath it, I wish I had put the word discipline under that word disciple. And you would see that they are almost identical and there's some significance to that. What is a disciple after all? A disciple, just like the twelve, would be someone who looks at the life of Jesus and follows him. A Christian is sometimes called a follower of Christ. And we as disciples today are followers of Christ. And that requires discipline. In Jesus' day, they didn't have WWJD bracelets. But I'll promise you the disciples did get themselves in situations and they would say, now what would Jesus do? Because they knew their calling in life was to be more like Jesus. To respond to life like Jesus would. To go the types of places that Jesus would go. To do the types of things that Jesus would do. To act like Jesus would in his attitude towards people. My goodness, all kinds of things go through my mind now. I'm thinking about Jesus eating and drinking with the publicans and sinners. And how, and I just referred to that just recently at the attitudes that the scribes and the Pharisees had toward Jesus as he mixed with the sinners there. And Jesus, of course, rebuked them, that is the scribes and the Pharisees, and he reached out and extended love and help and so forth to those who were lost. So this morning I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about discipline in the life of a Christian and understanding that discipline means that we strive in our hearts to do things the way that Jesus did them. If I'm going to choose a pattern to follow in the New Testament, it's not going to be the religious crowd, the scribes and the Pharisees, it's going to be Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? Sure. Because Jesus was filled with love and compassion. So as I'm thinking about this, now what is it that I should say, Lord, about discipline, being a disciple, or having self-control? Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. Do you know anybody that lacks self-control? The word, the phrase loose cannon comes to mind. You've heard of that, haven't you? So as I thought about that, I thought about self-control in the Bible is described and spoken of in so many ways. It's, it's a broad spectrum of things. And so I couldn't just zoom in on one thing. So I thought, well, why don't we just take this opportunity to kind of examine Scripture in a broad way and look at several things and use you as the illustration. Your tongue, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, even your nose, and your heart. So that's what we have on this sheet of paper. And we're going to go through this this morning in a, in a fairly 
fast pace. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the tongue. We're not talking about my tongue today. We're talking about your tongue. And that's in the plural. And it includes me, but it's not just me. Let's don't make this about him. We talk to them, when we talk today about hands, don't think we're talking about everybody else's hands. We're talking about your hands. When we talk about the heart today, we're not talking about everybody else's heart. We're talking about your heart. See, because you don't have any control over my tongue or my heart or my feet or my hands. Amen. But you do have the biblical mandate to exercise self-control in all of these areas that I've listed here. So let's start at the top of the page, the tongue. Most of you know what the Bible says about the tongue. James, book of James has a lot to say that. It talks about how that the tongue is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. It is set on fire of hell. It sets on fire the course of nature. It tells us to be very careful about the tongue. We do need to be careful with the tongue. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 10. Did I say 10 earlier? Okay. I have a little bit of trouble focusing um, up here this morning. So I'm hoping it wasn't 19. It is Proverbs 10. Verse 19. Listen to this. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Think about that. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And then it goes on to say the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The Bible has a lot to say about the tongue. In Matthew 12 verses 36 and 37 on your sheet there, these are the words of Jesus He said, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak. Would somebody just say, preach the word, pastor? Okay, so what I'm about to say, don't say the pastor said. Say the Bible said. That's, That's my point in doing what I just did. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. We've already um, touched on the tendency of the tongue. It's negative. The tongue is full of deadly poison, an unruly evil, set on fire of hell, sets on fire the course of nature. Wow. What damage can be done by the tongue? On the other hand, what a blessing there is and can be produced by the tongue. Praying to the Lord, repenting of our sins, preaching the word. So there's, there's certainly good that can be done and good that can be accomplished, but there's so much evil as well that can be done and accomplished. I'll submit to you this morning, we have been overcome by talk. Someone says talk is cheap. Talk may be cheap, but I'll tell you, 
There's no scarcity of it. There's a lot of talk. There's talk radio. There's talk shows on TV. There's probably more talk shows on TV than there is anything else. And people, how they can sit there hour after hour and day after day and watch women like on The View talk. Or even on ESPN, all these guys talk. Or anywhere you choose to turn on your television and it's talk, talk, talk. However, for those of us who are Christians, there are sober warnings throughout the word of God that we better guard our tongue. We need to exercise self-control with what we say. Listen, just because it comes to your mind doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. Amen? I will confess to you as a pastor, things come into my mind every day that I was just about to say and I'll stop. And sometimes I say things I wish I had stopped. Because there is this need for self-control. When, when somebody always speaks their mind, that is not a good thing. And we all can say things that are hurtful and harmful and offensive and things that we would like to take back, but we know you can't take them back. Once they've been spoken, they've been spoken. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. Baloney. Words can harm. James says words can kill. And so we have this admonition here. And in many other places, okay, Christian, okay, disciple, use discipline, use self-control when it comes to your tongue. If you believe that, would you say amen? Now we're going to go to the next line where there's a pair of eyes there. We need to exercise self-control in what we watch, what we see with our eyes. Anybody believe that's true? Listen, this is a different day that we're living in now than at any time previous 20 years or more back. Today, you can be on your computer, you can be on the internet, or you can have your smartphone And there will be things that may appear on your phone and you don't know how in the world they got there. Images, messages. Now, so what does that mean? Does it mean we all need to take a stick of dynamite to our TVs and throw our phones in the river? Do away with computers and laptops and all? No, that's not what it means at all. Listen, the internet is just like New York City. There's a lot of bad in New York City. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of good in New York City too. I remember when Joy and I visited there and we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I'm going to tell you what, I've never been in a finer church in my life. I enjoyed that church. And we want to go back and visit again. Wonderful church, right in the heart of New York City. We were... We were going to a McDonald's just before service began to get a bite to eat and get in and get a seat in that church for a Tuesday night prayer meeting, by the way. 
we wanted to get a seat because we hadn't been there before. We'd heard about it, and there was probably 5,000 people there for a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. When we got there an hour and a half early because we wanted to get a good seat, I wanted to see this prayer meeting that I had heard about. And when we got there, there was probably 150 or 200 people at the altars praying in that church when we got there an hour and a half early. It was an awesome thing. There's a lot of good in New York, but there's a lot of evil there too. Well, that's the way it is with with the internet. There's a lot of good on the internet. But there's evil there too. You don't even have to go to the internet. You can watch TV on, on the major networks. And sometimes you'll see things you probably don't need to be dwelling on. Amen. We have to guard what we see. Guard what we watch. We have to be careful. Job said this, and it's so, I think it's so, um, relevant for us today. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a woman? Because I've made a covenant with my eyes. I won't look. Don't you think that might be a good verse for us to wrap our minds around in these days in which we live? And listen, if you think it's men only that are watching things that are not Christ-like to watch, it's not men only. It's, it's women as well. And we live in a world where this has so, listen, if you're not careful, you'll get involved in things like this and, and it won't even really be bothersome to you. You'll just ignore the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you and, and you'll ignore the warnings and you'll ignore the guilt and you'll ignore all these, these urges that He puts in you to try to stay away from that. And you'll find yourself looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. Job said, not me. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to be careful what I watch. I would suggest to you that we need to do the same thing. Never has there been a time when images abound and addiction is epidemic. We need to be careful about what, listen, you can go to Walmart and see things you shouldn't see. Amen. So we need to be careful what we watch. We need to exercise self-control. The next thing there that's listed are ears. I'd like for everybody who has ears, would you lift your hand? (laughs) Do you remember in the Bible where Jesus said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And people says, what in the world was he saying? Well, I've... I can tell you for a fact, I can tell you by experience that just because you have ears doesn't mean you're listening. Right? So Jesus is saying when he says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about he that has ears. Most all of us have ears. But do we have hearing ears? Do we have ears that are listening? And it's not talking about these ears, by the way. It's talking about listening to the voice of God, listening to the voice of the Spirit, listening to the Word of God. Can we listen to that, respond, really hear, and get what it is that the Lord is saying to us? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I've been there. 
I've sat in church and heard the sermon. But never really heard the sermon. I've had the Lord speak to my heart. And refuse to listen. You have to. Those gentle nudgings. As the spirit tries to get you to do one thing or change this or, or be obedient in this area and he's speaking to your heart, but, but you're not listening. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And I'll say this, accuse me of, um, accuse me of, uh, accuse me of anything you want to, I don't care. Um, along these lines. We have to be careful what we listen to all day long. What you listen to all day long will make a difference in your spiritual walk. Christians should never be listening to music that is um, graphic sexually. Some music is pornographic. I've, I pulled up to a stoplight in Raleigh one day on Capitol Boulevard and a guy pulled up next to me in the car and the boom box was bouncing and my truck was bouncing because of that. And, and the lyrics I heard on the music and what was being said was pornography. We, we should never have anything to do with that kind of thing. What we hear is going to affect how we think. And if we're not careful, we get, um, you know how when you go out and your hands are real soft and you haven't done much work and you go out maybe with a hammer or a, uh, a hoe and you begin to weed the flowers and you get blisters on your hands and then they get rough. And then you can do work and it doesn't bother you anymore because you got these blisters and your hands are rough, tough. Sometimes we can do that. We ignore listening to the Spirit sometimes and we get calloused. And we get resistant to what we're hearing. Doesn't bother us anymore. Our consciences get seared. And things that used to bother us or things that we never would have permitted 30 years ago. Now we participate in and watch on TV. Well, need to be careful about what we're hearing. We need to be careful about what we're watching. We need to be careful about what we're saying. True? The next thing is we have a pair of hands there. We need self-control when it comes to our hands. 2 Corinthians 6.16, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, but Paul uses this, but how direct this is. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. You think that might be important for today? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things out there in the world today, activities and... and um, Events and things that people are, that society will accept readily. That's just normal things that we as Christians, we don't have any business 
been involved in. So the scripture says, come out. This is God speaking here now in this passage. Come out from among. We're supposed to be different. Amen. We're different. Come out from among them and be separate. In other words, those things that you used to live in and enjoy, you separate yourself from those things. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean. We, we must be aware of that. We need self-control with our hands, what we touch, what we handle, what we do. We need to make sure that we are Christ-like. The Bible says we lift up holy hands to the Lord. And then our feet, of course, our feet are what carry us where we go. We have to be careful where we go. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And in all of our lives, we need to be careful where we're going and what we're doing. There are some places that Pastor Ron will not allow himself to be spotted. And that's not because I wear camouflage so nobody will see me, but I go. It's because I won't go. Amen? There are some places that some men will go that I won't go because I'm a Christian. Some places I will not frequent. Some places I will not visit because they're not a proper place for a Christian to be. So we need to exercise self-control in our tongue, self-control with our eyes, self-control with our ears, self-control with our hands, self-control with our feet. And what's that next thing down there? Anybody want to guess what this one's about? What? Nosy or keep your nose out of everybody's business. Now, Pastor, you know you just you just rambling now. I mean, you just you just touching on things that the Bible don't talk about. Well, let's see. First Timothy chapter five verse thirteen says, "And besides, they learn to be idle." Uh, I've heard before that the idle mind is what. Thank you. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies. Saying things which they ought not. And I'm, I, start, I, better, I better let you all know what I'm about to do so you don't get caught in this trap. First church I pastored, I was preaching one morning and talking about being perfect. Some scriptures tell us to be perfect, which means be, to ma- be mature. But in that sermon, I remember saying, and I had already said several times, none of us are perfect. Not, not completely perfect. So in this sermon, I said, anybody here perfect? And this guy on the front row said, yes, sir. Amen. I am. And raised his hand. 
And he wasn't thinking before he, before he answered that question. So I want you to think before you answer this question. How many of us here just love busybodies? I doubt many of us. And the Lord tells us that we need to be careful. We're warned of gossip there. We're warned of busybodies. That's when you stick your nose where it shouldn't be. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. But you find yourself throwing in your two cents worth in that particular situation. Anybody ever heard of those 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 letters put together? M-Y-O-B? What's that? Mind your own business. And that's that's a good word. For Christians, mind your own business. Because if we don't, it's surely going to cause strife and trouble. And we don't need that. We don't want that. So, even though we are tempted sometimes, because we got opinions, and they're better than anybody else's opinions, to be sure. So we want to share them. But the Bible teaches us. And warns us against being gossips and busybodies. So, yes, we need self-control. Even when it comes to our noses. Anybody want to say amen? Yeah. And then the last one on the list. There's a heart there. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the thing that's in the middle of my chest that pumps blood throughout my body. It's actually referring to the mind, what we used to think with. That's the heart in Hebrew thought. And so as we look at that, it's keep your mind with all diligence. Be careful what you think about. Stinking thinking will get you in trouble. Stinking thinking can be just bad attitude. Stinking thinking can get you in trouble. So keep your heart, keep your mind with all diligence. Use self-control in what you think about it. Philippians even goes so far to say, if you will think on things that are good, things that are righteous, things that are positive, if you'll think on these things, the God of peace will be with you. And you won't have strife and trouble and negativity and all those things to deal with. Many times, my dad told me years ago, as a young pastor, when he had been a pastor for a good long while and now was dealing with pastors in a leadership or supervisory role, I remember him saying, 95% of the problems that pastors have they have bought on themselves. You think about that. And I believe it's true. That is to say, because we talked when we shouldn't have talked, or we put our nose somewhere it shouldn't have been, or we were doing some things we probably shouldn't have been doing, or our mind wasn't in the right place, and we didn't use good judgment, and on and on and on could go. A lot of times we are the we are our own worst enemy. Because we haven't learned that the last thing listed in this very, very precious list, the fruit of the Spirit, 
We could call it Christianity 101 or basic Christianity. This is what the Spirit of God wants to produce in your life. Love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faith and meekness and self-control. He wants to produce that in us. That's just, that's not the pastors, the preachers, the deacons, the people who've been Christians for 40 years already. No, this is everybody. The Bible says God wants to produce these things in us. And the last thing that's listed, it's not the only thing in this list that's going to take self-control. But the last thing listed is self-control. You see, when it comes to long suffering, there's some self-control required. And a lot of these areas are going to require self-control. But but then he calls it out. Boy, he names it. He lays it on the line. And in all these areas, according to the word of God, our tongue, what we say, our eyes, what we watch, our ears, what we listen to, maybe even who we listen to, our hands, where we go and what we do, our feet, wherever they carry us, whatever locations, our nose, we should keep it where it belongs, and our heart. Keep it pure. Keep it holy. Keep it focused on the Lord. And the God of peace will be with us, the scripture says. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a pretty important word from Galatians chapter 5. Self-control. An athlete gets nowhere without self-control. Right? The Olympic athlete gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning. They head for the swimming pool. They swim to three hours. And then they go to school and they get out of school. They go back to the gym. They they swim another three or four hours. They don't um, go out and party with the rest of the crowd. They don't go to Krispy Kreme donuts and eat them all they want to. All the rest of us might do those things. But those, and the Bible teaches this. He that striveth. For the mastery is temperate in all things or self-controlled in all areas of their lives. They've disciplined themselves to become the very best at what they do. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God is producing in us self-control so that we can be the very best Christians. Examples, soul winners, disciples that we can possibly be. And the Lord is glorified when we do that. Amen? Would you stand with me?
this list and it's um, it's not a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven list. It's a tongue, eyes, ears, hands, feet, nose, heart list. As you look down that visual list and you see where the Bible teaches us we should be very guarded about what we say. We should be very careful about the things that we watch. We should be using extreme caution with what we hear and listen to all day. Oh, we should be diligent to keep our hands clean and pure. Because the Lord tells us not to touch the things that are unclean and sinful and wicked. We're very careful about where we go. You won't see me at the ABC store. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You won't see me at the ABC store. You won't see me at the gentleman's club. You won't see me at some other places. I don't need to be there. We need to be very careful about taking care of our own stuff and not getting into other people's stuff. Gossip and busybody. Need to use self-control there. Isn't it easy to talk? I mean, really. Isn't it easy just to pronounce my opinion about that situation over there? Other side of town. Where those people are. Other people that we don't. And we're just so vocal sometimes. And then the heart. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it. And he can help us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To be clean and walk pure before him. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So once more, as we sing this in my life, be glorified. Would you, would you breathe the prayer to the Lord about any of those areas or all those areas? Anything the Lord may have spoken to you about as we were going through that. Let's make it a matter of prayer as we ask him again. In my life, Lord, be
Amen. If you've been touched by the past few weeks in these sermons, say amen. Amen. The word is for us today, if ever, if, if, if ever in, in a time of, 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 of history, the word is for us today. Amen. As we say our dismissal prayer today, uh, as a school leader, I want to ask that we remember our schools, uh, traditional schools start back tomorrow. That means in Wake County alone, uh, roughly 160,000 students will be in school. Um, and that's tens of thousands of employees going back. So let's uh, remember these schools. Our year rounds have been in session for a few weeks now. Uh, but that the Lord would keep their protective, his protective hand upon these schools and in these classrooms and that the lives of those children that are coming, that, that those uh, teachers and educators that are Christians can have an impact on those, those students' lives as they come in there. Father, we thank you for this time of worship today, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be here to fellowship with our, our friends, dear Lord, and our family. Lord, and I just pray right now that you would be with each and every person, dear Lord, as they go forth their ways this week. Father, I pray for our schools, Lord, that you would just place a hedge of protection upon each and every building, dear Lord, not only in Wake County, but across this nation, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would touch the educators, dear Lord, that are Christians in those buildings, Lord, that they would be able to speak, dear Lord, truth and life into the lives of each and every of the 160,000 that will be before us this week, Father. Lord, I pray that your protection would extend, dear Lord, and that you would just raise up a generation that believes in you, Father. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise today, and we lift your name. Amen.